Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you are fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have been called the communion in Christ. We've been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So our title, New Manna, it comes from John 6, 58, when Jesus says, This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna. He is the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us in the Holy Eucharist. So today, I'm joined around the table by a couple of Jerry's, and I can't wait to just jump into this this episode. But first, I just want to say thanks to everybody out there who's left a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thanks for helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive, that he's truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you haven't, guess what? There's still time. Just do it. It takes like 30 seconds. Um, yeah, so... I'm joined around the table in Corpus Christi Parish in Lawrence, Kansas, by Father Jerry Voles and Jerry Jewell from Topeka, Kansas. That's right. We're Jerry Squared is what we're calling it today. That's right. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry Podcast. Informally, this is going to be referred to as the Jerry Show today. Exactly. Father, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, Father, who is Father Jerry Voles? Well, I'm Father Jerry Voles, uh, born in Topeka, Kansas, raised there, youngest of five. Mm. Uh, my dad was the oldest of 13, mm. grew up on a farm down by Greeley, Kansas, uh, the oldest male child. So they sent him to Topeka to go to a Catholic high school thinking mm. that he might be a priest, but he met my mom there. So God had, God had other things in store. So, uh, so yeah, I've been a priest for the Archdiocese for 31 years, been all over the place, mm. uh, campus ministry for 12 years at the beginning and then in parishes ever since. Nice. Yeah. So you, you went to KU then, yeah? He's a Lawrence guy. You surely went to K. Well, I went to K State for two years, but <laughs> it, it drove me to the priesthood. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Jan- my junior year of college, I transferred to Conception Seminary, got my undergraduate there, and then four years up at Mundelein Seminary in oh, Chicago. Cool. cool. Didn't know you went to Mundelein. Mm-hmm. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Awesome. Did you sing in the choir? Because choir's a big deal in Mundelein, right? They've got like records. And oh stuff. yeah. 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 I was. Uh, a lot of people around the arts diocese know me as being the vocalist. I, oh, used, to, really? I used to sing at all the arts, uh, like the ordinations and things way back then. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. When I was at KU as a priest at St. Lawrence, I took three years of uh, vocal lessons. Oh, cool. Um, Dr. Mary Jane Posegate and some other people. And then nice. when I was at Emporia State, I sang in the men's ensemble with the university down there. So Very cool. Yeah. Choir's in my blood, too. Yeah. Free State, choir, the arts in Lawrence here, super big deal. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, being in the... Not just the show choir, but the chamber choir, and then the chamber singers, which is like the little 16-person group that goes around and sings mm-hmm. for old ladies and stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if you're an old lady, we love you. I love you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Father, or yeah. er, not Father Jerry, but the Jerry, other Jerry. Jewel. We'll Tell us the, about you. <laughs> I am Jerry Jewel. Um, born, uh, raised in Overbrook, Kansas. Overbrook. Are you familiar with Overbrook? Don't, big, old, big old Overbrook. Do not overlook Overbrook. Overbrook. Mm-hmm. Is, right. the, is on the water tower there. Um, <laughs> Um, met and married the love of my life there. Um, grew up, grew up youngest of three, went to Emporia State University. Cool. Uh, got married, um, been married, it'll be 35 years. Let's go. This year. Um, we, I'm the father of uh, 26 year old twins, boy girl twins, mm. Angel and Gabriel. 
Cool. So, and spent my whole career, my whole working career in Topeka, Kansas. Nice. Working in animal health, prim- primarily worked T-town. for Hill, Hills Pet Nutrition, mm-hmm. analytics, um, just uh, an analytics uh, career. So what do you, so explain that to me. You said pet health and then you said analytics. I'm totally lost. Well, I worked for Hills Pet Nutrition, oh, okay, okay. which the global headquarters were in Topeka. Oh, cool. And I was an analyst. I did market analysis and then I was in HR for a compensation analyst, which is- So you're on the business side of it. Correct. Cool. That's correct. He loves numbers. Jerry loves numbers. Nice. Love numbers. Um, again, youngest <laughs> youngest of three, um, amazing parents, lifelong Catholic. Um, parents are the two most faith-filled people that I know, and they were they were my example growing Praise up. Praise the Lord. So um, um, thanks. Shout out to them. Yeah. We're actually cousins, Jerry and I. So. Correct. Father, what do you, what's something that, what do you like to do in your free time? I just, I, you know, you're my pastor. I want to know more about like, what do you do in your free time Well, when you um, have it. Oh, yeah. Well, there's one thing, like my staff knows that I do every day because it helps me keep myself sane. Mm. So usually every day in my calendar, I block off from 2.30 to 5.30, exercise, pray, and eat. So oh, cool. I need to exercise every day. So I just did that a couple of hours ago. Uh, so that's, I don't know if that's a hobby, but I just do that yeah. quite often. Um, yeah, I like to read. I like music, of course. I was yeah. talking about that, all kinds of music. Um, yeah, I love cars. Mm. That's a weird thing. You do cars too? Yeah, I like cars. Oh, cool. Yeah, I don't fix them. I just like them, and I, yeah. it's a hobby of mine. Drive them? I drive them. <laughs> cool. I like, to, I like to just, my dad was great. Uh, we were city people, but since he was raised on a farm, a lot of our Sundays, mm. we would just get in the station wagon, and we would go out on dirt roads. He nice. just loved driving on dirt mm-hmm. roads out in the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I like to do that too. You know what's great about dirt roads is that you can drift really well on them. You're driving on. Well, I wouldn't know that, Lee. Okay, I'm, of course. I'm not that rebellious you're anymore. A sh- you're a straight shooter. I used I used to have a motorcycle, Aye. but after I crashed one, I yeah. gave that up. Yeah, but that was that I, was fun. I yeah, I can't imagine what it'd be like crashing on a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm kind of just a, a funny guy. I mean, I like to have fun and just joke around with people. Yeah, that's why I love being in a school. I've I actually got to know Jerry and his wife, Kelly. She was a teacher at uh, St. Matthew's grade school in Topeka, and I was assigned there as pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just love being in a school. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, um, it's just, it's uplifting to be around yeah. all the kids. I'm kind of like a rock star, you know, around the kids. Yeah, so. definitely. Well, until they get to about fifth or sixth grade, exactly. then they're a little too cool. So when you work out, do you do like lift or do you cardio? Are you a lifter or uh, cardio guy? I do both. So do every, both. every other day is cardio. So like today, mm-hmm. it was basically just shoulders. So I have a routine. Nice. It's day, each day. So mm-hmm. yeah, regiment. Love and that. And we're getting old. I mean, we're getting. It's time to. Man, I was thinking about t- that because, <laughs> man, yeah, it takes a lot more energy to do yeah. weights, and my muscle seems to be going away, and I'm mm-hmm. doing just as many weights as I used to do. So right, anyway. right. Yeah. Father's ripped is what he's trying to say. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Swole father. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, take us back to the beginning. What was well, like? What's your story of falling in love with Christ? I mean, even if you were raised in a, a Catholic home by the two most faithful people in the world that you know, like. You had to have that personal experience for yourself. So, well, yeah, t- take us back to the beginning. Um, you know, for me, um, you know, being raised Catholic, um, and mass was never was never optional. Going to church on Sunday, or we actually had mass on Saturday evenings uh, in in Overbrook, mm-hmm. Lapeer, uh, Saint Francis of Assisi, Lapeer is where our, our, was, was the church. The message of the house was if the car was going to church, we were we were to be in it. Mm. Um, but it was never we never we never fought, you know whether we had to go or not. We, right. That's just what we did on Saturday nights. Yeah. Um, and so in, in the context of what kind of what we're talking about today, I, I don't know that I would say I, I never questioned 
um, the the presence in the Eucharist, right. Jesus' presence in the Eucharist. But I, I would, if I'm honest, I didn't give it a lot of thought. Sure. Um, we went to communion every, you know, every mass, um, bread and wine, um, and I never quite, never questioned it. Yeah. Um, probably, I mean, I guess we'll dive right into it. I would say my children were born, so probably I was over thirty mm. when it when it really really started to matter to me and really started mm. is that scandalous to say no, that? I don't no. I mean um I like I said I never questioned it but it never it never really never really hit me until and if I'm if I may tell the story because I I can't te- I can't tell you exactly when but I know the what it was and I'll butcher this story father Jerry is a much better storyteller than I am and it may have been father Jerry that told the story I'm not sure but I just remember the story and it stuck with me it was a story and wasn't real, but it was, well, just, let's just say a, a Buddhist going, went to mass with the Catholic mm. and observed uh, the Catholics going forward for, for you know, everybody went forward. Sure. After mass, he asked the Catholic, what was, hey, what was that, uh, what was that all about? And the Catholic said that was communion and it was the Eucharist. And, and we believe that uh, Jesus is present in, in the Eucharist. And the Buddhist said, "Oh, I, I don't, I don't believe that." And the Catholic said, "I know you don't believe that, but that's that's what makes it." He says, "No, it's not. It's not that I don't believe that Jesus is present in the Eucharist. It's that I don't believe that you believe it, mm. and I don't believe that all those other people believe it, because the, of the nonchalant attitude and, yeah. the, and the casual attitude." He said, "If I had a chance to receive my God and, and to consume my God." Yeah. I would crawl through hot coals and mm-hmm. it would be laser and that that story yeah really I really started observing and and was it was convicting to me as well mm-hmm. um you know patting people on the back on the way you know the communion and right. saying hi to people and shaking hands on the way back and was I so it, that was it that was the moment for me and then I started looking into it and studying it and now I I communion is is moving to me it's it's wow. an emotional experience for me that's a great word. That's, That's a, a good great. story. I'm sure I told you that I'm one. sure you did too. That, was, to, in one to of my, that was in one of my homilies for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, approaching on on not just bending knee, but like crawling. Because yeah, this is the God of the universe. With nothing yeah. holding me back. You right. know, with uh, wild horses literally could not keep me keep me away at yeah. this point. So mm-hmm. yeah. So that was it. Yeah. I wasn't, um, I wasn't Catholic at this point in my life, but um, from what I've heard from people, like 9-11, when that happened, um, churches were just like mm-hmm. full. Oh yeah. I don't. I mean, was that is that true, Father? That's like, was, true. Your, yeah. was your church just like packed? Mm-hmm. I was at Emporia State when that happened. So. Oh man. Yeah. But definitely. It's like if people really knew and really believed, like you're saying, mm-hmm. um, it was almost as if this Buddhist had greater faith than the Christian, so to speak, in this in For this sure. allegory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if we really believed, like we'd have to have like twenty four seven security. Around our churches, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and as my children are are adults now, um, and not, and again, not that they fight coming coming sure. to mass or or whatever, but that's always been the when they were teenagers. Teenagers can be teenagers and and not value you know going going to mass and what's what could possibly be more important than mm-hmm. that? You know, you have an opportunity to to be in the presence of of Christ and, yeah. and, you know, sleeping in an extra hour, you know, we're only going to be, Father Jerry's homilies are 
nice and quick. They're snappy. So, yeah, it's not. Uh, Obviously, he tells great stories. Exactly. Like that, so. <laughs> you're just gonna. So you're gonna claim that you're gonna. <laughs> I am. I actually have told that before. Okay. Well, then Except that was it. A, it was a little different. Mine was a little better. Better, than yours, probably. I have no doubt. No. <laughs> more, more practice. It's... Yeah. But what, what's, what's more important? You know. Yeah. You, you got an hour to, uh, to have that, that experience. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, what a grace! I feel like there was just such a grace on your life that even through your, even through your, you know, adolescence, it was never a question really. But your, your kids came around, and you know, father tells a story, and, and then that, you know kind of brings you to your knees, so to speak. Hmm. For sure. That's beautiful. And well, what, yeah, go ahead. And I was just gonna say, you know, that kind of reverence, that story talks about how you, if you, and it's not just showing reverence. I think a lot of people show reverence and they might not necessarily mean it. You sure. know, as Catholics, we have a lot of um, postures that we do during mass. You know, I always tell people like at wedding rehearsals, because a lot of them aren't Catholic, I said, yeah, beware, we're into church aerobics, stand, sit, kneel, stand, you know, mm-hmm. so all this kind of stuff. But to really actually know what you're doing when you show your reverence, you know, when you yeah. bow before the Eucharist or whatever it is. Um, it's kind of like parents, you know, I always tell parents, be sincere with your children. They know if you're sincere, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's mm. discipline or whatever. But, um, and that's very similar to my story. I'm just, please, the, I'm please. just taking your role here and no, just going do right it. into it. Um, <laughs> but my dad was, again, the oldest of 13, and he went to Topeka. Uh, and he, my dad always had a very strong Catholic faith, mm. um, so much so that, um, I guess it would have been in the 1960s. I was born in 66, so right after Vatican II, um, when they allowed uh, lay people to distribute communion, right. you know, extraordinary ministers. Um, my dad was one of the first four in the archdiocese allowed to do oh, that. Wow. And he was specially commissioned by the archbishop at that point. Uh, Hunkler? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, this he received this crucifix when he... I was going to say. Because back then, a lot of times, they, they would wear the crucifix, you know, mm-hmm. if they were going to give out communion. So um, I have this because when he died... My mom, I heard this story a lot from my dad about mm. how he got this. So, but anyway, every Sunday morning at Mass, uh, growing up, we always go to the nine o'clock Mass at Assumption in Topeka. We had our pew. <laughs> God forbid anybody take our pew because mm. my mom would kick him out. Um, but every, we always took two cars um, mm. because every Sunday my dad would take communion to the people at the hospital. Mm. Uh, and it was a ritual. And I mean, he just would tell us how important this was that. Mm. Um, and he's the one who taught me, and when I train extraordinary ministers in church, I always kind of use my dad as an example, because I remember as a little boy, he would say, Jerry, he says, you know, this is, this is Jesus' body and blood. And he said, when I give communion, he said, how blessed I am. But he says, I always hold that up, you know, so right where I can mm. see their eyes. Yeah. And he says, because it allows me to see Christ in them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always remember that, because that's what it's all about. Yeah. You know, that he said, hopefully they, I can see Christ in them, and they can see Christ in me. Yeah. Um, so my dad just had a, such a great reverence for the Eucharist that he, uh, every Sunday again, took communion. And of course, it was a big, big deal because we'd go home and have breakfast ready and yeah, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff. But just to see my dad's great reverence and respect for the Eucharist growing mm-hmm. up. Um, of course, I'm a, I'm a loyalist being a German. So, you know, <laughs> when I saw my parents do something and they meant it, it meant a lot to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Especially yeah. as the youngest, I'm sure the admiration factor mm-hmm. of like the, the adoration factor, like the adoration of of all that is uh, noble and, you know, worthy, like as young, he's just wanting to embody that and to, to be that um, right. as, as kind of a, an expression of love and mm-hmm. devotion. So yeah. I, I love that. So you felt this call to like uh, mirror that devotion, that, that love and the respect unto the Eucharist as a child growing up seeing this with your dad. Yeah, I mean, again, um, and it's, a lot of people might find this strange or not, but even when I was at K-State and, you mm-hmm. know, other places, 
I've never missed a Sunday mass in my life, even mm. when I had the opportunity to miss it, you sure. know, just because I felt like this was something I needed to do. And mm. partly too, because my dad died when I was 18, when I was a freshman in college. And I felt that I felt a, that's how I was connected to him, mm. you know, so I didn't want to yeah. not be connected to him. Yeah. Um, and so it just wherever, wherever I was, the Eucharist, the mass was just kind of what united me to him yeah. and everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Us too. We even, even when we're traveling, um, in, in Mexico, we, even if you can't understand a word that they're saying, we still go to mass and that, that Eucharist part is, is so special. And it's, it's, I, I, I find, I find it fascinating. Um, when, when we've done that, um, that the, you know, the, the locals, some of the men don't, they, they, they're too humble yeah. to, to go to communion. And it's, it's, it's neat and it's it's cool, but it all it ma- it makes me sa- it makes me sad too a little mm. bit. But uh, mm-hmm. you know they'll they'll go forward for a blessing, but they will not go forward for mm. the Eucharist because they don't feel yeah. they don't feel worthy. It's kind of uh, cool. culturally. There's yeah. just a, a difference there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It it feels like it feels like we we should I should give it more right more, more respect. Right, like it's just that, a great, like that. Yeah, it's just an awesome witness to hey, this is this is the it's a God. big deal. This is God of the universe. It's a big deal we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And thank God for Pope Pius the Tenth, who uh, who made it super clear to everybody that uh, the the Church, you know, we believe, we hold fast, and it is true that like Jesus, he he gave us the Eucharist uh, to to uh, how do I say this to empower us to to strengthen us and to encourage us to fight the good fight. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just for the holy and the, and the pure of heart. It was, hey, receive the Eucharist, do it, mm-hmm. do it more. Absolutely. Yeah, even on a daily basis, frequent and holy communion. So Father, it was never really a, it was never really a question for you either, it sounds like you. Well, not, not about not going to mass, of sure, course, but sure. part of it too was, um, I did it, a lot of it out of, out of obligation or just yeah. that sense of connection, not really, I mean, of course I always, believed it was important, mm. but whether it was an actual belief that it was truly Jesus, you know, that came later. Yeah. Um, but obviously just the fact that I respected it and I believed it to be God, Yeah. you know, it was that for me. Um, I think I, over the years, especially in seminary and everything else, just grew a, to have a greater devotion gotcha. to the Eucharist, you know, yeah. um, believe, believing that God was present at the mm. mass is one thing, but then actually believing he's truly present right. at mass. And, um, well, like you were just talking about different places, um, I, I anointed another person today, and a lot of times when we, which I always tell people this, like the family today, and he wasn't near death, but you know he was in hospice, and so I always tell people because we get calls for the last rites, you know, yeah. I always tell people there's no such thing as the last rites, yeah. there's no sacrament, so it's anointing of the sick. So I always encourage people. I said if if somebody is on hospice or something, call us right away. Yeah. Don't don't wait till the end because you know good luck finding yeah. a tri- priest sometimes. But um, so one of the beautiful aspects of the anointing the sick is you know if they're capable and, yeah. and in the right frame of mind, I guess you could say, is we can give them communion. It's called viaticum, yeah. uh, which is and there's a beautiful prayer part of the right when I give them communion, uh, basically saying this is food for their journey. Yeah, Via I just think it's really. Tecum. Oh, I love yeah, it. It's, yeah. mm. it's beautiful. And I explained that to the family. I said, you know, you know, they're, they're near death and this is what's going to nourish them. Yeah. Food for their journey to heaven. Yeah. You know, that is Jesus. Yeah. Who's going to go with them. Yeah. Um, I, even, that's one thing that, especially as a seminary as a priest, I just, you know, that's, that's amazing. If you think of it that way, it mm-hmm. just should change your whole perspective. Yeah. You know, and you're not much of a crier either. That has to, that has to be powerful for you. You're not a, 
Are you making fun of me? Not at all. Um, <laughs> family. Oh, family. It's a German part. Yeah. You you telling that this was was is no. emotion, is emotional to hear that. I mean, it is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it, I'm blessed as a priest. It's the lemmas bread. You know, mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings. It's it's the food that you take with you to empower you on the way. Yeah. And it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I I very. Uh, unpiously impiously i don't know what the right word is but referred to it as like um take out like jesus take out jesus uh take away mm-hmm. um but that's not true uh it's yeah it's like the it's the passport to heaven mm-hmm. more or less yeah uh, you need, uh, all analogies fail well you take them so. yeah that kind of reminds me because sometimes i tease people at mass you know in a somewhat truthful manner because I'll yeah. some every now and then I got to work it in a you know in a good way where I encourage people not to show up late to mass and mm-hmm. definitely don't leave early because I'll say a lot of times I say yeah. you know, some people would be happy if we just had a drive through here you know drive through get your yeah. Jesus and go it's like no it's not what it's about not quite you know yeah <laughs> the whole mass is the experience you know right. that's where the sacrifice happens yeah you convicted people of our fallen nature it's really easy to condemn others mm-hmm. and to just like shun mm-hmm. but you you convicted my heart uh, you convicted. I think everybody's right when you said like, you just brought up the the metaphorical example of somebody wanting like to go to the restaurant to get the reservation. Mm-hmm. And it's like the real and only meal that you need to be concerned about is this one right here. Mm-hmm. That's about to take place. I said that at the church yeah, recently. See? Recently, man, you did, I know mm-hmm. you. Man, I'm good. You're nailing it, you're, you're nailing are, it. You're great. <laughs> I love the way you talk, refer to yourself in the third person. It's really, oh, it's really quite funny. You know. I tell the kids around here, you know, because I'm like a rock star. I said, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. There you, you know, go. So, there you go. Yeah. I'm kidding. So something you said about uh, like there's just the connection with your dad with the Eucharist was it brought up something that uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati said. He would sometimes end his letters like, I will see you in the Eucharist. Mm. Like that's mm-hmm. like, like it's where heaven and earth meet is in that little, that little thing, that little host. Mm hmm. It, that's the place where the, the veil between heaven and earth is, is permanently torn. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's where communion, not just with the, the church militant here on earth is, but with the church triumphant in heaven. Mm-hmm. Gosh. I love that. Yeah. Sign me up. Absolutely. There's a, I've had a lot of funerals recently. I have one tomorrow, but there's a reading from Isaiah in the prophecy, and a lot of people choose this because they think of family dinners. But I always tell people, I said, this is God trying to get us excited about getting into eternity. Because mm-hmm. he says, on, the, on this mountain, the Lord will um, prepare a place for all peoples. And mm-hmm. it's going to be a banquet of juicy mm-hmm. wine and fresh, fresh meat, you know, yeah. all this kind of stuff. So it's kind of like, you know, this is what God's prepared for us, you know, in the banquet of heaven. You know, let's get yourself ready for yeah. it. You know, There's so. no better party. Yeah. I'm thinking about my wedding, and my wedding was a party. It was a blast. It was the first big event that St. Lawrence had after they renovated their basement. Beautiful. Great spot. Mm-hmm. Beer, wine, champagne, pizza. Oh, nice. Yeah, we, we went like there people, all of our friends still talk about how it's the most, still the most fun wedding that they've been to. So, I love not it. to brag, but kind of, kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How long you been, how long you been married now? Uh, uh, eight years this May. You shouldn't have stumbled when you said that. Exactly. So tell me about what's your lived relationship with Jesus look like today? Like as a family man, you know, are your kids all grown? Or do you just have the a, older two? Twin, just okay. twins, yeah. Okay. And they're 26. And, and that qu- I, I liked that when you gave us those pre kind of things to think about. That was one of them. Because what I've started doing this a fairly recently thing, a fairly recent thing. Because um, so we're, we're so rarely together. I, mm. I, I do it when it's, when it's just my wife and I, but especially when my kids are here, I always go to communion last. 
Yeah. If, even if I'm on the end, I'll stand up and let them go in front right. of me. And I've started this thing where, where as I'm walking to the altar, it really, I'm really in the presence of mind that I'm kind of taking, you know, presenting my family. To. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it, it's, it started one day when we, 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 um, uh, my our son has deals with some anxiety issues and sure we just had we were had we'd had a rough we'd had kind of a, a a rough morning that and it was it hit me that day as i'm just i'm taking i'm leading them to the altar leading them to the eucharist right. and i don't you know i mean it it, it tear, makes me tear up sometimes it's so it's so powerful to just kind of lead them to the you're shepherding them you're the, yeah. you're the you're shepherding your family exactly yeah. and and it's so that's been that's my experience now and and I've and this is quirky and this is quirky. I, I admit it's quirky. <laughs> but uh, you know, when people have used to be when people would have heart condition, they'd have nitroglycerin, and they would mm-hmm. when they and they feel a heart attack coming on, they would put it under their tongue because that goes to their bloodstream the fastest or whatever. Mm-hmm. I've started doing that with <laughs> with the Eucharist because I know, when I I just I know I need Jesus so bad, yeah. and I want I want Him coursing through my veins as quickly as possible. So yeah. I, I take the Eucharist now and. Put it under my tongue and let it dissolve there. Is that weird? Is that no comment? <laughs> the scripture tells us to eat it quickly with our loins girded and ready to right. like yeah. like eat this quickly. Just, yeah. So, so that's know. my thing now. Well, if if that's the case, Jerry, honestly, because I know where you sit in church, it's usually in the last <laughs> third part of the church. Yep, so if, if you were so excited, you should sit up closer. That's a good point. You know, I'll take that. I'll take that under advisement. Chris, that's a good point. Go. Crisscross applesauce. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. How close can I get? Yeah. Lee and his family is usually always right in front. <laughs> Man, when when we're we've got we've got a bunch of littles, and if we're closer up, there's no there's less distraction. Oh, for sure. sure. I tell like I have Absolutely. baptism prep tomorrow morning. I tell them I said sit up front. The kids yeah. can watch everything that's going on. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I can't tell you how how nice it is to be in a parish where there's pastoral support. Your kids are going to be kids, and we need to like mm-hmm. they're perfectly glorifying God by being children, mm-hmm. just like a tree is glorifying the Lord, singing praise through its just you know shimmering in the in the sunlight. Like mm-hmm. pra- praise the Lord. Kids are kids, and yeah, like they're you know they're learning how to deal with their conscience and they're coming to terms with themselves and obedience and authority and etc mm-hmm. but uh to just know that man it's you are welcome here and it's it's going to be okay mm-hmm. yep. that we're not we're not going to condemn you yep. for having yeah. kids and kids being kids yep hmm. there's a limit though yeah you're right <laughs> it, you. prudence on the parents <laughs> heart. yeah for sure <laughs> kids are going to cry sure but if they're crying for three minutes in a row yeah. you better do something yeah. like that I yeah it's that. just like yeah. self-awareness but usually yeah. parents usually know Okay, oh, this yeah. is not, this sure. is not, it's not going to happen. This Especially is, in, a, in a time to shut it down. You, know? so, uh, you can really hear it in, in Corpus. Oh yeah. Because everything's tile and mm-hmm. hardwood yeah. and stone. It's uh yeah, it goes. Mm-hmm. It takes like five seconds for any sound to dissipate mm-hmm. in, in the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I know because I quite often, because when I preach, I get kind of excited. You know, I'm yeah. energetic about that stuff. And some some of the older people say, Father, you talk too fast. I said, yeah, yeah, I know. You listen too slow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So you, when it comes to the Eucharist, it doesn't have, just have to be about the Eucharist, though. Like, you know, were there any things, um, and this isn't like a parenting show, but like, were there things that were helpful for you when you were like kids in the house, like leading prayer together as a family? Like, what did you guys do? Um, we weren't as good as we, we should have been um but we tried we, we did try and we sent our we, we sent the kids to to catholic school we sent them to to saint matthews and certainly um again we never miss mass sure um a family rosary less frequent than than it should have been okay. but but from time to time yeah 
we tried to live a life that tells my kids that my faith is is very important to yeah. me. You know, my parents, I'm, both of my, I was the youngest of three, and both of my siblings are deceased. So my parents mm-hmm. have buried have buried um, two kids, yeah. and would have would have every reason to be bitter and yeah. and and um, angry at God. And they are the exact opposite. They are just. They're just they're they're amazing people and, and never never allowed us to never allowed us to to feel sorry for you know why yeah. why us why me you know my mom many times have I heard her say why you know why not us uh, but my parents to, even to this day my dad's eighty six and my mom is eighty five uh, they say a rosary together at least at least one rosary together a day mm. at, at lunch and when and when my mom says I'm gonna pray for you. That's, I mean, we all say that. I'll pray. For, yeah, I'll pray yeah. for you. And may, some people probably do. Most people probably do. But when my mom says, "I'm gonna pray for you," what that means is, they have in their living room, right below their TV, they have a chalkboard, an actual, yeah. not a whiteboard, a chalkboard. And they will, if they say, "I'll pray for you," yeah, you, you, your name gets written on the chalkboard. And when they say the rosary, they're calling. Them, it's, 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 yeah, it's great. It's so cool. So yeah. I did not. I'm not my parents mm-hmm. with my kids I'm, I, I did not sure not to that level um, my parents are humbling to me it's the, not a the, competition yeah I know but they're yeah. so they're so good I should be more like them it's never too late that's, that's true. right that's a good point yeah yeah I was thinking about how uh, intercession is so powerful you know those just champion intercessors people like your your parents it sounds like uh, someone who when they say I'm gonna pray for you I'm actually gonna do it uh, have have you experienced in-person intercession it's like, I'm going to pray for you. Jesus, in your name, we just thank you. Like you, you, you put the hand on. I've started to do that with people and nice. it catches them so off guard, but they're like, wow. Like we're doing this now. We're wow. doing this right now. Yeah. Love can it. I pray? I would love to pray for you. Oh yeah, sure. Pray for me. In Jesus name. Thank you, Lord. You just, Good yeah. for you. Yeah. It's really cool. I do that a lot too. Cause if, well, if I have the opportunity, if it's yeah. right after mass and there's 300 people yeah. filing out, I'll, yeah. I'll, but sometimes I will too. Cause it's just. It's one thing to say you're going to pray, but for you to actually do it right there, yeah. if you can, if you have the opportunity, and it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be much, just yeah. you know, Lord be with this person, surround yeah. surround them with your love. And has anyone ever not not been receptive of that? Once, once I was in Aldi, just one time it was in Aldi, and granted this person was a stranger, but I was just like, okay, you know, I'd love to pray with you, just really fast, like five seconds. Thank mm-hmm. you, Lord, and uh, yeah, it was just a hard no. Um, people were always open it's, it's crazy because it, it takes away this americanism of mm-hmm. oh it's every you know religion is privatized it is to yourself keep your you know keep your theology off of me it's mm-hmm. it's no i'm I, jesus tells us to, to go and do this uh, mm-hmm. to love people to love people and um yeah i mean why why take it to a third party when you could just make the introduction yourself mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so i don't know mm-hmm. that's, that's been it's been cool for me and my kids do it too, which is hilarious. Like my teacher, or one of, my oldest teacher came in with a, a broken finger, sl- you know, slammed it in the door. And before I'm, you know, I'm on my way out and I'm like, Josiah, you should go, you should go pray with Miss, Miss Marsha, you know, for her finger. And I just, you hear, to Jesus, I pray that you, I pray that you heal Miss Marsha's finger. Jesus, hey, I love you, amen. And it's just, mm. oh, oh, spear through the heart. That's just, awesome. 
Oh man, but uh, that's the kind of stuff. That's that's what makes a community a community. Like it, it takes all of us, right? Raising children, sure, but being there for each other and 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 being one in more than just like oh, we both like the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I don't know. It's yeah. incarnate. It's incarnate. Yeah, Father, as a priest, you kind of have a unique uh, mm-hmm. role when it comes to prayer. You pray for the community on behalf of the community, uh, for the church militant and the church penitent in purgatory. I mean, there's lots going on there. Like what's your, you know, you said you got that two and a half hours in the afternoon blocked off. You know, what is, what does prayer look like for you on a daily basis? Well, of course, well, and I shouldn't say of course, but priests are, um, obligated slash blessed to be able to pray, uh, what we call the divine office, the liturgy of the hours every day. So, you know, there's, there's that prayer time in the morning as soon as I get up. Uh, but then time in the morning, which I do that, but then it's just more, of course, reflecting on the scriptures of the yeah. day or whatever. Um, and of course, throughout the day, those those prayers, mass is, uh, and I don't just say this, I, I daily mass is very important to me, you know. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of the highlight, p- partly because it's it's communal nature. You know, a lot of the time, and when I pray on my own, the liturgy hours, it's by myself, um, which is great, but you know, it's it's repetitious, and like yeah, with yeah, any yeah. any kind of prayer like that. I love Ignatian spirituality, so mm. I've done a 30-day silent retreat, mm. uh, which I love telling people because people freak out. What does that mean? I says, well, that means you don't talk to anyone ever. Well, except for one hour a day. So Yeah, you're spiritual director, right? Yeah. Mm. Uh, for 30 days, even at lunch and meals, you do not talk. Mm. Uh, and believe it or not, people are surprised that I could do that. <laughs> so I've done that in many eight-day retreats, but part of Ignatian spirituality um, is uh you know just really taking those times throughout the day you know to do an examine you know yeah. to think of your life but then to bring it into your own experience and and those are the usually for me those are the most impactful times of prayer where i'm not reading a text or anything i'm just being with jesus you know, yeah. and just talking to him um relating my life to him and usually and sometimes those are the smallest prayers in regards to time but those are the, usually the most impactful for me yeah i i love telling people it's it's the most honest prayer. Jesus desires honesty. He just mm-hmm. des- he desires pure hearts, mm-hmm. like not, um, you know. He he prays he prays Bartholomew. You know, behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. His heart and his mind are not split. He is one. He is singular in his in his love and his respect for Yahweh. Like he he just saw things clearly as they are. And it, yeah, that's you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, mm-hmm. but that seed has to be pure, a pure little bit you know that's all it takes mm-hmm. and it's just and that's just where we're talking about when in terms of uh, honesty he just wants an honest heart he wants you as you are because if we're not being honest you, if you just flip it on its head if we're not being honest with the lord in prayer what are we being you know we're, we're putting up a wall putting up a facade putting a mask on which is actually what the word hypocrite means i mean from behind the mask i don't want to be one of those guys um yeah interesting and that's where you know the ritualistic prayers like jerry was talking about is my and of course Growing up, my parents would oftentimes make us pray the rosary because I yeah. was a very hyper child, so that was difficult. Um, but you know, those those prayers are, are rote prayers, are ritualistic prayers. There's value to that, but mm-hmm. sometimes they can become just repetitious yeah. too. You know, I've been at people's house before, and they pray before the meals, and you know, they say it so fast and so quickly, all these little things, and they're looking around, and you know, it's yeah. like, well, do you actually know what you just? What's going on did? here? You yeah. Know? So it's putting putting the heart into the words and everything too. Yeah, it's not a race. Know? Right, it's not a race. Yeah. Yeah. Just chill out. Chill mm. out with Jesus. Yeah. It was just so good. Those moments of just like getting in the car and, and, and speaking with him like he's in the passenger seat. I like doing that as well. 
Uh, so do you do you ascribe to any like devotions personally or I mean does it, the, the office and mask um, constitute your prayer life? You know, I kind of, besides that, I switch it up a lot. Okay. You know, like with Lent coming up, I've been looking at different things. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're looking at, uh, we have a huge, big four-page insert about Lenten ideas for the parish that's going to be coming oh, cool. out pretty soon. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of it, I just like mixing it up a little bit. Yeah. You know, so, whatever. Nice. What I, have an, I have an app on my phone, two apps, actually, that I use. It's what got a lot of resources. What I was going to say, what are your thoughts on the Hallow, the Hallow's app or Hallow? Oh, Hallow. Yeah, we always yeah. promote that. Because yeah. that's what uh, I do. I, they are good. And that's what I happen to listen to in the morning. Yeah. Uh, nice. At least the day, at least that on, the, on my drive to work. It's almost, because they're like 11 minutes or 12 minutes chunks. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. are just perfect. I love Laudate or Laudate. Yeah, I don't know how you say it because yeah, yeah. I don't that's speak. I, have, I don't right? speak Latin. But first thing I do Laudate. every morning is I wake up and I just look at not necessarily the daily readings, but the saint of the day. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I, I like to know if I can party rock exactly, or if I need to fast. <laughs> you know, like today I woke up. Today's a great day. Feast of the presentation. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna balk at having some soda with my lunch. Right. It's the feast of the presentation. It's a feast day. Yeah, yeah. of course. You know, got my plan of life. Get a little soda in there. Put some milk in my coffee this go, morning. Go light a candle in church today. Yeah. Candle mass day. Yeah. Jerry's like, what are you talking about? No, I, I watched, I, I, I mean, I watch EWTN daily mass every morning with Phil. My, I have a chocolate lab. Phil. Uh, Phil the chocolate lab. Nice. And every day with, without fail because he gets up about, I mean, I always get him, get him out of his crate about 6.45 and cool. masses at 7.00. Were there any particular resources that you came across that was like really instrumental in your? I mean, I did. Okay. I did Men Under Construction three or four, three or four years in a row. I, yeah. Um, the men's retreat. I don't know. Yeah. In, yeah, in yeah. Kansas City, um, and there were a couple of those guys that came through that for a while I uh, I followed back when you would get like a CD and actually listen to yeah, it. Yeah. Into a CD. Um, Scott Hahn was one. I'm trying to think what the other guy's name was. Ray something. Ray Gerardi. Yeah, maybe, yeah. There you go. Catholic Answers. Um, and that was right. Was that about the time you came to St. Matthews? Because that, I mean, when you came to St. Matthews, that was that was a pivotal moment for 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 my faith. And I think, mm. I, I mean, it also. I mean, you know, it had something to do a lot to do with you as well. But I think it was the first time in my life where where I had where my priest was basically my age. I mean, he is older than me. Um, but not a lot, <laughs> but not a lot, Six um, months or something. but to, to have a, to have a priest, yeah. you know, that, that, uh, uh, I could really relate to man to yeah, man yeah. and he did a good job. He did a great job when he came to St. Matthew's of, um, fostering a men's group. It was, we had cool. a, we had a really active, really, really, really great group of guys that, yeah. that would get together every Saturday morning and, and, and father Jerry would hang out with us and for, for us all to just. I think it was the first time for a lot of us, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, first time for a lot of us to see um, a priest just be, just be a man, you know, yeah. just, be, just be like one of us. And it was powerful to all of us. We still talk, I mean, we still talk about it to this day that how impactful it was when he came to St. Matthew's. Yeah. So that yeah. men's group, I got, I, you know, I'm still friends with, with all those guys today. Yeah. That was 25 years ago. Um, probably a group of what, a dozen of us maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say I would say eight of the dozen. You know, I'm still still really really with. close with yeah. this day, mm-hmm. and that's powerful to have. Oh, have for sure, guys mm-hmm. to hold you accountable. You got to be running with people. Yep. Otherwise, you get lost. Yep. I mean, it's a call. It's a call. I, I speak unto myself right now as well. Like definitely, you know, moving back into the area, trying to reestablish a community uh, that we can be running with, and uh, yeah, praise God. Just um, you know, had some bourbon and. 
a fire last night with with a brother and uh, we kind of made a little pact that we're gonna um, you know schedule out monthly guys nights uh, where we can get together and just commune and uh, grunt and chop wood and yeah. you know mm-hmm. stuff it's critical I mean yeah. I think it's critical yeah yeah there's a lot there's a lot of great books out there uh, we were just talking about men under construction and I know Scott Hans coming to the one mm-hmm. in our archdiocese yep. pretty soon Many of his books, and he's he's scholarly, of course. But um, yeah, what's the the Lamb's Last Supper? The Lamb's Supper. Yeah, yeah. Because I I like the history part, but he's able to just connect all of those pieces in Scripture and salvation history together in the the Last Supper. And yeah. It, again, if you have that understanding, if you realize those things, it's like, oh my gosh, it's the light bulb moment stuff. Yeah. Was was Scott Hahn? Was he home to Rome or Rome to home? Yeah. Yes. That, mm-hmm. that, home, that was it. Rome, sweet Rome, sweet home, home, sweet Rome, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. his conversion story was yeah. was was pretty powerful as well. That's yeah. what that book's about. I think it's conversion, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's written a lot of them. He was what, a Presbyterian Pres- minister? Yeah, he was, and he started like sneaking into masses and being like, oh my gosh, this whole thing is mm-hmm. scripture. What am I doing? Well, yeah, because he what sought, I mean, he literally sought out to to get ammunition to, to yeah. battle Catholics uh, from a scriptural basis. Yeah. And then he, to your point, then he found out, hmm, this is, this is pretty, There's more scripture pretty based in scripture. There's more scripture than there is right? in what yeah. we do. Yeah. And that's where, I, you know, so many, Jerry was talking about the guys in the guys group, and I know that some of them are no longer practicing mm-hmm. Catholics anymore and have gone to other churches. And, I mean, it's like you're missing the Eucharist, yeah. you know. and breaks my heart. I feel like yeah. we have the, the same, like, Father's heart on that, just that uh, you want to shake them, grab them by the shoulders, and be like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. But it's just coming from a place of, of love and longing for them to experience and, and live out of this place of adoptive sonship. Total belovedness, and I mean, you think about Jesus. Like, what Jesus? Uh, he, he came to do what? He he came to do a lot, mm-hmm. but he came. Uh, gosh, I was watching Mother Angelica. There was a little clip that just popped up on my Instagram feed, and like, I was I'm not an EWTN guy. Like, that is not my it's not my jam, not my generation, nothing. But mm-hmm. um, she came on, and she's like, "What are you giving Jesus for Christmas?" You got these lists for everybody, you know, just like calling people out left and right because she can't. Mm-hmm. And she's like, how about you give him just in? That's what he came for. <laughs> oh, my gosh. She's awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How about we do that? How about we do that? I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's priceless right there. Give him your all. Mm. That's hard to do. So what advice would you give to anybody out there who's on the fence with respect to this whole Eucharist thing? Maybe they, you know, maybe they're going to church down the road. Maybe... Um, they haven't had that uh, that light bulb moment for them either in their heart or in their head. Like, what advice would you give to anybody out there who's on the fence with the Eucharist? You know, honestly, I would say to be honest, I get it. Well, we always, I always hear people say a lot of times, you know, I don't get anything out of it, and I yeah. could, of course, respond, well, you're not putting anything into it, but that's kind of that's sarcastic. That's a cop. That's yeah, a cop it's out. a cop out. But not to make the mass more entertaining, or but it it needs to be alive. I mean, yeah. and, and again, as a musician. I think music is a huge thing. Um, and one of my things, because I might have my preferential style of liturgical music or whatever, but I've always pretty much insisted wherever I am, you, you need to have a variety, you know, because again, there's everybody present. There's old and young and everything else, you know, so have some chant, have some more contemporary stuff, organ, piano, whatever. Um, but just make it alive, you know. Yeah. Um, sometimes the music alone is, man, it's like a drudgery in there, you know. Yeah. So. Um, but allow people to see again that, and that's what, and Jerry's a lector here at our parish, so he knows when I do trainings, you know, I just kind of say, you know, let's. You do a good job. Thank you. Yeah, because yeah, I, I know when my fellow bold people I, get up there, like, thank you. Yeah. 
I, yeah. I, I do. I mean, and largely from his lead, I, I do take, I take it serious and I try yeah. to, I try to, I want to, in some, I've, in the past, I've even texted him, you know, the night before saying, I'm not exactly sure what, you know, what the, what the tone is, what am I, what am I, yeah. um, but try to put the emphasis on the right syllables and yep. things yeah. like that. Well, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just, everybody's, but nobody likes to be read to, you know, but to, yeah, to bring it alive, don't read um, to me. you know, just make the liturgy alive. And part of that is I always encourage people in the parish, you know, that means you need to participate, respond, yeah. you know, kind of get into it at all. You know, that's where it needs, hopefully it needs to be more than just an obligation. Yeah. If it's an obligation, especially with younger people, it's going to be really difficult for them to be a part of it. Yeah. If they're told to do it. Um, we get to do this. Right. It's not... You know, like just reframing things. Yeah. It's like everything in their everything in life, especially for our young people, it's it's seen as mandatory and an obligation. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to do your homework. Why? So you don't fail. Why? So you don't become a dropout and right. whatever. You know. Yeah. Um. It's it's always just a if not then what kind of mm-hmm. mentality. This re- rebellious. But uh, yeah, we get to receive the God of the universe. Like what? That's what makes us special. Mm-hmm. Is that we believe that Jesus Christ gives himself to us literally in the Eucharist. And it's like, what? This makes no sense. But it does because it's God. Mm-hmm. It's his plan. And like his plan is fulfilled in communion. My parents, when I was little, would on the way home with my mom, usually because my dad was at the hospital, um, she would have us <laughs> reflect back to her what the priest said in his homily. <laughs> and I'm not going to bring up any names, but sometimes <laughs> that was very hard to do. Uh, but it made us pay attention. Yeah. But but the whole thing was we had a conversation about it. Right. You know, after the fact, you know, and I always tell the parents, I said, talk to your kids about what's going on, you know, yeah. not just in the homily, but what's the Eucharist, you know, have a conversation with your children at home rather than yeah. just take them there and leave. You yeah. Know, and then go to McDonald's afterwards. Yeah. If we approach mass kind of like the same drop off culture that we do with every other thing, with practice, with school, whatever, mm-hmm. then yeah, I mean, what do you expect? Like, what do you expect yeah. to reap there? Mm-hmm. But I gave I gave a lot of a lot of thought to your to your um, you know your your thoughts there and it is it's very difficult as someone who's on the fence I think as someone who's truly on the fence um, yeah. about the Eucharist or, or or about you know coming to Mass or whatever sure. it's just very difficult to explain the divine with hum, you know I mean yeah. trying to explain something that's divine with my limited humanity and yeah. it, it's tough and 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 I you know I think if even if we could, if I could convince someone to come to mass, I could convince someone, you know, they wouldn't necessarily go to communion. I mean, they wouldn't yeah. necessarily wouldn't be, you know, I don't know how we deal with, I don't know how we deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Um, I would love to just be able to say, come and see, mm-hmm. but sometimes I'm like, oof, that was rough. Right. Yeah. That was, uh, Oh, we right. did the financial report this weekend. Right. Like, you know, right. um, the worst case scenario, right? It's like, uh, yeah. that kind of deal. But, uh, yeah, you're right. It's like what I, I heard the comparison today. I think it was, uh, I was listening to Bishop Aaron talk to, uh, Father Joseph, somebody, the founder of Ignatius Press, the guy who, uh, Ignatius Press, basically. Yeah. He's the founder. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, he, we're just talking about how people have these theological bents and you know sometimes we find ourselves making wine out of water and making the wine water like you know i, I kind of like to you know how do i explain the divine the infinite beautiful truth and reality of this thing this beautiful experience this transcendent ah and with my 
muddiness, my exactly. muddied brain and my muddied words and my exactly. poor inflection. Like, how do I do that? Yeah, it can be, it can be a daunting task. Yeah. Well, and there's all, you know, there's a scripture too, you know, you could pull out as I've done before the sixth chapter of John, sure. you know, which again is perfect proof text. I guess you could say that Jesus over and over again said, yeah. this is my body. This is my blood. You know, yeah. you have to receive it. And at the end, a lot of them just didn't get it after what I think five times he said it. So mm. he, he let him go, yeah. you know, and, um, but even St. Paul talks about the fact that nobody should, if you were to receive the Eucharist unworthily, you know, that's, that's You're not drinking a good condemnation thing. upon yourself. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, so obviously even scriptures places a lot of value on what we do, you know, yeah. how important it is. Jesus himself, but also the early church, the church fathers, you know, you can go yeah. into that. Um, and I, sometimes I think people just, um, they're not aware of those things. And of course, well, even last year here at the parish, we had the traveling Eucharistic miracles display. Mm. Um, and you know, even our kids in the school, they were walking around looking at all those things and they it's were like, wild. wow, that yeah. is amazing. You know, to see all just the miracles that have happened over the years. And it's hard to just like talk about teaching, right? Cause yeah, truth is it's, it's truth doesn't convict hearts like it did maybe yesterday or the, you know, generation before the multiple generations before, like, um, like leading with that beauty factor. And there's something about story that's so beautiful. Like if I were to tell you the story of how the Romans would put Christians who would celebrate the Eucharist in secret underground in basements, like under like one candle's candlelight, they'd celebrate the Eucharist, they'd celebrate mass there together. The ordained priest would be there celebrating and consecrating this host. And they were uh, given up and found out and they would be put, they'd be dipped in tar and put on telephone poles and lit on fire because of this truth is reality and they did it anyway and they, they took the chance. did it anyway and they kept on mm -hmm. doing it mm -hmm. that gets me fired up mm -hmm. come to church that's <laughs> yeah. the kind of church we live that's that's what we, that's our church that's our church you're saying the priest did that and they were dipped in tar and you were looking at me the whole time like are you gonna would you do that <laughs> some saw, feathers uh, up there i saw that look I, <laughs> of course i would yeah, I heard because I have that heart, right? I was like, I am ready to, for anything. Like, torture me, give me your best. Like, we, you know, give me your worst. I'll do it. But it's like I heard. I was told that uh, Father Colm Larkin, um, new new priest for the Archdiocese, mm -hmm. he's like, man, martyrdom is a gift. And not just the that you get to experience it, but like the actual to to fulfill it and carry it out. It's like you honestly think you're going to be able to get through that <laughs> all on your own. Like, it's a grace a grace to win that crown together with the Lord. Yeah. The Eucharist and as a priest, you know, I, and I love to explain this to people because yeah. I, you know, sometimes people say, you know, one priest is better than the other or whatever. I like his homilies, whatever. And they, which I get it, you know, uh, people say you need to go where you're fed and I'll say, sure, as long as you're going uh, somewhere, you know, but it's more, I always say it's more, it's shouldn't have anything to do with the priest. You know, I, I get yeah. it. It matters, but um, because the priest, you know, again, we're not the ones doing the work at mass. You know, I love the phrase in uh, it's ex opere operato, which means yeah. from the works being worked. That means when, if the priest says the right words, does the right actions, it's still the Eucharist, you know, mm -hmm. whether he says it in a lively yeah. manner or yeah. as monotone as anybody, yeah. you know, it's uh, because it's not the priest, it's Jesus who's doing it. God's mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit's the one who's coming down and changing that mm -hmm. from bread and wine into the body and blood. So. Uh, I get it that the priest is, it matters, but it really doesn't matter because mm. Jesus is still present. He, yeah. God, God works beyond all of our crazy human inadequacies. Right. When yeah. the priest talks too fast, people complain about it. 
Yeah. And I, I love what you said about music as well earlier, just how um, it's important. It's important because to, to utilize the giftings of your parish, but particularly the instruments of your parish, like if you have an organ, like totally use it. Mm-hmm. Use it because it's, why Why is the organ giving like highest place of instruments in the Catholic Church? Well, it's because it's the instrument that resembles the human voice the most. Mm-hmm. It's a, you know, it's an, op, it's a cylindrical, you know, shape with like a little flap and opening like that's that's the vocal cords mm. like that's mm-hmm. that's what mm. organs are it's just way bigger and way louder and way cooler yeah. um so i don't know it's just I, I was thinking about how um there's this term like being baptized in the holy spirit like basically just encountering god in such a powerful way that you can't go on living life the same after that like this this whole like oh my goodness moment mm-hmm. this this like a veil of sorts being lifted and you're just, you come into a deeper awareness of who you are and who God is and who you're not and who he is. It's just like, oh my goodness. Anyway, so the Gloria, when I was in high school, I was asked to come to church here with the Loney family. Um, my then girlfriend, um, Adele, was like, hey, I don't know what you're doing on Sunday, but you know, do you wanna come to mass with me and my family? I'm like, that sounds great, what's mass? <laughs> let's, mm-hmm. let's go, I'm all about mass you know i'm all about you um i'll I'll go wherever you are you know if i get to spend an hour with you perfect let's go so in in coming and then the the gloria being sung i don't know how you refer to the the different settings of the music like the the mass Mm -hmm. setting of the the gloria that was sung but the organ was out it was just ripping it Mm -hmm. and i go back on my i get home and i get on my dell laptop and uh look up the words i try and remember the words like that I, i literally googled like that one church song at uh, that's like got the organ in it or whatever. And come to realize that this isn't just like some song. Mm-hmm. This is the Gloria. The song of the angels. This is, yeah, this is the song sung to the shepherds. Mm-hmm. Like not mm-hmm. to the shepherds, but right. revealed to them. It's just, man, it, it uh, I was like, this is amazing. And it was the beauty, that beauty factor that hooked me. Was that pivotal? Was that a- Oh, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. It was, um, cause my, my mother-in-law, Katrina is a um, convert and uh, I, you know, I started asking her all these questions like, you know, I was your typical jaded, you know, uh, teenager, you know, didn't have a father figure or anything. So um, yeah, I had lots of questions, lots of angst. And um, yeah, so I just ended up asking all these questions like, if God's real, where is he? And you know, I kind of ascribed to this, uh, subscribe to this God, the clockworker theory, like that he just kind of threw everything into motion like we're in some snow globe and he said, peace out, you know, mm-hmm. do your best, see you, bye. Mm-hmm. Um, that and agnostic and atheistic, depending on the day, it was really just a mess. It was a mixed bag, but yeah, she was able to, she was able to answer those questions. And I went through the RCA process as a senior in high school when I got confirmed here, um, uh, January 20th of 2013. Yeah, do you have any words of wisdom that you'd care to impart to our listener land or any words of encouragement, anything like that? Well, as real general, I, I would say, you know, people need to know, people need to know that they're loved by God, that they're cherished. Uh, God encourages them. He wants to be a part of their life, yeah. you know, um, constantly seeking us out. Just uh, try to be open to that, you mm-hmm. know, just be aware that God is present and, and seek, well, seek him out because he's already seeking you out, yeah. you know, in, in whatever fashion. But, but I would also say, um, learn more about the history of the Catholic Church yeah. and what it is, um, really what it is, mm-hmm. not what you hear it to be on the, and everything else. But yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot of value to that. Well, and even um, yeah, the history, um, how it came about. Yeah, 
Go back to the roots. Go back to the roots. Saint Polycarp, Irenaeus, Ignatius of Antioch. Let's go. Let's go back to the beginning. Irenaeus has one of my favorite quotes of all time. The glory of God is the human person fully alive. Yeah. See, it's about God. You know, God, God's glory is, is when we as humans are fully alive in the way yeah. that he wants us to be. Yeah. And I, and I do think he wants, I, I do think he wants us to be part of a community. I think, he, I think the community piece of it is, is, cri- oh, yeah. is critical. I mean, I guess you can, you can experience God and you can speak to God by yourself yeah. in, you know, in the forest, you know, what you can but I think I think God calls us to community, and I think uh, as a community we should we should be seeking out those people that 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 crave community. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And what is it that makes a community community other than just like physical proximity? It's the one thing that unites them all. And what better than the incarnate God Himself? Come on. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah. Well, in the Catholic Church, I love Chester. I I probably say this all the time. Chesterton, you know, I love G.G.A. Yeah. Chesterton. He's a, he says I don't need a church that's right. When I'm right, I need a church that's right when I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people hear certain things that the Catholic Church might say or believe in, and it's like, well, I don't believe in that, and then they leave. It's like, mm-hmm. well, but again, that's where I say, look look a little more deeply into what the church is all about, yeah. rather than just yeah. what you hear or think it is. Yeah, we have to be willing to engage it. Mm-hmm. Like when we come face to face with opposition, things that are telling me that, oh, I might not actually have the market cornered, but we have to be willing to rumble. We have to mm-hmm. be willing to wrestle like if Israel has taught us anything, it's like we who wrestle with God, like we have to, we have to be willing to wrestle with the Lord because he's going to wrestle back and he's not going to, I mean, you think about a father who wrestles with his kids, you know, he's not going to go WWE Smackdown, like pin you down. No, it's like, that's not, that's not a good dad. We have a great, we have the best dad. We have the best dad that we could ever ask for. And he's going to, he's going to lead us and, and guide us on the way so long as we're open and receptive to his promptings and, and to his words. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you said be open to the Holy Spirit and be open to uh, his promptings. Like how, what are some ways, Father, that you recommend maybe that we could be more open and more docile to the movements of the Holy Spirit in our life? Well, I, part of that is, you know, we have to understand, I guess, maybe what the Holy Spirit is and what it's not. And this is where, again, I go back to Ignatius of Loyola when he, he talks about the discernment of spirits. Mm. Um, and I, I even talked to our kids about this. Just two weeks ago, I had a thing with our junior high kids, and I was saying, you know, if you, if you have to make a decision, a somewhat important decision, not if you're going to get up in the morning or not, but, um, you know, just ask yourself some questions. This is the discernment of the spirit. If, if, is what you're going to do going to bring value to somebody else or to you? And on a real basic level, that's kind of what it would be because Jesus would say, our, you know, our life is all about other people. Yeah. You know, so uh, the Holy Spirit's not going to usually encourage you to do something that's just for you, mm. uh, that's going to take you away from... Um, what the law might say or what your yeah. parents would want you to do or what your friends would want you to do or just, you know, if it's just about you getting glory from other people, it's sure. probably not the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's the evil yeah, spirit, yeah. you know. So, um, but part of that is understanding, again, what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, you know, how we receive it. Again, like St. Paul would say, we don't earn it. It's freely given. Yep. But like any gift, we have to open it up. We have to use it, rely on it. Yeah. You know? Well, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you to the Jerry's. Um, uh, Father, thanks for your fatherhood. Thanks for your, your priesthood. And thanks for shepherding as well. Mm-hmm. And Jerry, it's been great to get to know you. Thanks for lecturing. Thanks for proclaiming the word of God unto his people. Absolutely. It's been good to meet you as well. Awesome. Yeah. 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 So, Father, would you be so kind as to, to wrap us up with a, a blessing? Sure. We pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, we're thankful for all your many gifts, for your constant care for us 
for the gift of your son Jesus and the Eucharist and the Holy Spirit. Uh, we ask that you may continue to surround us with your love and your grace uh, to help us be good disciples. So may Almighty God bless all of you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Very good. Thanks. This has been New Manna. We'll see you next week.